That's a lot of bass right there. Hey, good morning. Everybody doing good this morning? Yes, yes. Hey, I want you to grab two things if you haven't grabbed them yet, and you won't grab them right this minute, but after the gathering. Um, every single time we do a series, we create a reading plan, meaning we, we want to give you a tool so that you can read along with us for every single Sunday, and you read the passage we're going to preach on the week before we preach on it, okay? And so we just have a shorter bookmark version for this Christmas series. If you have not grabbed one of these, it has kind of a devotional plan and how to, how to read every day, and then it also has the scripture that you can read each day, just a small section. It takes you about 10 minutes, uh, maybe 15 minutes, um, to be able to do that each morning to, or each afternoon, whenever you do it with God. You can grab one on the tables on your way out. And there's also one of these. It's, it's, uh, we call it our Christmas invite because that's what we want you to use it for, not just for your calendar, but who are you going to invite to join us during this Christmas season? Who's coming with you on Christmas Eve, right? That's a big um, uh, gathering for all of us to bring families together. has all the dates on the back. And so grab one of these for who you're going to bring with you. So who's this for? Somebody else, right? Somebody else for you to bring with you. All right, so grab that. Um, hey, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Um, we've been in the book of Luke for a long time, and like I said uh, through this series that we were in, we were going to go to, you know, 21, and then we're hitting rewind and going to verse 1, or chapter 1, okay? And so if you have your Bibles, you can uh, get there with me uh, to chapter 1 in the book of Luke in the New Testament, and we will get there in just a minute. Have you ever had to wait on something? Yeah, let me tell you a story. Commiserate with me a little bit, would you? There was a time when our boys, they were were toddlers. We had two toddlers and a baby. And and this is the beginning of a great story because you can already feel the tensions, right? And uh, we had two toddlers and a baby in a car driving to North Carolina for an eight and a half hour, nine hour drive. Now the tension's getting greater. About an hour into our trip, uh, we were carpooling, and some of our family was also driving in another car. We stopped down near, uh, I don't know if it was near Galleon. I, I don't, no, it wasn't. It was down 71, right? So we're heading towards Columbus and heading south. And about an hour into the trip, we stopped. Um, my uh, father-in-law needed coffee at McDonald's, and then we stopped our cars, and then we tried to start our car, and it didn't. All right, so at that point, we're like, okay. This is going to be a great family reunion we're heading to in North Carolina, right? This is, that's where we're all heading. And, um, and so, so we had to wait, get a tow truck, tow truck, take it back to our house. Then we had to get uh, my mother-in-law's car, again, with two toddlers, a baby, my wife, and I. And, uh, and so then finally we get in this small PT Cruiser. If you've ever seen the old PT Cruisers, right? It was purple. It was beautiful. We loved it, didn't we? All right. And, uh, and so that was her car. And so we hopped into that car to finally, now we're heading back and we're heading to North Carolina. So imagine just all the stre- stress and tension. We finally get there with all the fun of changing diapers halfway through a number of times in a trip and, you know, all that joy that comes along with that. We get there and it's my job to find a place for us to eat for dinner once we finally arrive and get there. And so I pick a place I think everybody's going to like, and it's a Mexican restaurant. I'm thinking, okay, we can all eat Mexican. We like that. We're all tired, exhausted, grumpy, and fill in the blank, right? And so we go to this Mexican restaurant. Typically, is a pretty fast service, right? It's like you can make a taco, two minutes, it's out on your table. It's like, awesome. We'll eat quick. We'll go back to the hotel. We'll all crash, cry, whatever we need to do, and then we'll get a good night's sleep, and tomorrow's reunion is going to be awesome. And so we go to this restaurant, and we get there, and um, it, they seem pretty busy, but we have this big table, and we're all circled around this big table. And servers just keep kind of walking by us. 
and keep walking by us. And it, I, it felt like forever. It, it, I don't know if it was a half hour until finally a server came to our table. We're trying to like, get their attention and for, to take our order. And so finally, you know, okay, we give them our order. Now, remember, two toddlers, baby in a high chair at this point. H- have you ever tried to entertain two toddlers and a baby in a restaurant? It's a little bit like H-E double hockey sticks, right? It can be a little bit stressful, a little bit anxious, like, mm, do you have any crackers? Do you have any crackers? Can we have some crackers, right? Like, whatever you can do to entertain these kids. Um, and so we were uh, on edge with that. So finally, they come take our order, and then we're like, okay, whew, let's all calm down. We're going to get our food. It's, it's going to be pretty quick. We wait, and, and I'm not kidding. It was an hour that we were sitting there waiting, wondering, is our food coming? And the servers wouldn't even give any of us eye contact as they're going back and forth to get where they're going. So we're trying to get attention. We haven't gotten our food yet. And then they go, oh, let me check. They go back and like, I'm sorry, we didn't even put your order in. I'm a Christian. <clears throat> but I was thinking some non-Christian thoughts in that moment, right? Like, Jesus, forgive me <clears throat> for I'm about to sin, right? And... Um, and yet, we, we stuck it out. They finally put the order in, and it was like 10, 15 minutes later, our food was on our t- And the thing is, it was okay, right? It's like, okay, it's food. After all that waiting, it's like, this better be the meal to end all meals. It was okay, and that was our evening. Can anybody relate to a moment like that? Have you ever had a trip or a day or a holiday or something where it's like, ah? Either you had to wait for something and wait and wait and wait. Do we have any people love waiting? We got people love waiting. Just to really enjoy that, right? None of us do. None of us enjoy waiting. And, and uh, things happen to us when we have to wait on something that we think we need or, or we think we deserve or they think that, like, it's expected because you were told it's coming, but it didn't come. Like, we all feel that tension, and that's where we're at in this book of Luke in chapter 1. We're in a tension where the Jews were waiting for over 400 years to hear a word from God. The last word they heard was in the book of Malachi. The prophet Malachi showed up and spoke to the nation and said, this is, well, it was an accusation. Honestly, if you read the book of Malachi, like he's just kind of ripping in, like you guys have ran away from me. But in the end, he talks about someone coming. Something is coming. And so they're waiting as a nation. They're waiting as a people. What is next for what is coming next. Actually, they would even go back to the prophecies in Isaiah, which Isaiah showed up 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay, 700-year gap. How long? I didn't, after that, I'm like, okay, I didn't wait that long at the Mexican restaurant, right? Like, like 700 years, they're waiting for this promise. And you've probably heard this because it's on some of your Christmas cards, right? Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what they're waiting for. They're waiting for a Messiah, a promised Messiah, 700 years before promised to them. And they're, they, they think he's going to be a king, he's going to rule over, he's going to help them not um, be where they're at. Because at this point in history, they're not feeling the presence of God. <clears throat> They're doing what God told them to do. A lot of the Jews are still doing the ritual. They're still doing the temple worship. They're still burning the incense. They're they're still doing all the things that generationally that that they had done. Some had lost their fervor of relationship with God as they did it. It became just more like a religion and a cultural thing than really pursuing and praying and wanting to see God show up and reveal his promise. They had just been waiting. And it actually goes way farther back than that. It goes back to their father, Abraham. Because Abraham, centuries, right? Generation and generation, like 
they're waiting for these promises to come true. Because God gave these promises in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham before the, the Jewish nation, that's where he came, they came from. Abraham's promises were that, that he and his, his, um, um, uh, his family would be a great nation. That Abraham's name would be great, which how many of you have ever heard of Abraham? Right, okay. God keeps his promises, just letting you know, okay? Right? Um, that all people we b- will be blessed through you. So now imagine you're a Jew. It is 1 AD, and, um, and you are not feeling any of those things. You don't feel like your name is great. Actually, your nation isn't great. You're a slave nation. You're kind of a nation underneath Rome. Rome is the ones that's ruling everything, not you. And you're kind of the smaller people group underneath this giant, you know, ruling nation over you. So you're kind of like, man, we feel oppressed. This isn't, doesn't feel like we're great. And how can we bless all nations throughout the world? We're not even feeling blessed. We're not, we're not experiencing all these promises that we believe God had for us. And so here they are. They're waiting. They're frustrated. Many of them just walked away from their faith. They, they actually didn't even do the temple worship and do that kind of, they just kind of like, we haven't seen them hundreds of years. And they just walked away to live their own life and do their own thing and marry as they want to, all this kind of stuff. But this is what I want us to, to be encouraged because we're going to dig into this story is that, is that they probably felt one way, but this is what actually was happening. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt God being silent? I mean, some of you probably this morning are right there. Maybe you're showing up to church hoping that you hear something from God because for you, like God, like, I haven't heard, I don't know him. I haven't heard him. I expected some things from him, but they haven't happened. And, and you live in that tension of, is God real? Is he not real? Like, you're in the same place today as where they were then. But I want to give you some hope because this is the truth. God is not absent or indifferent. God is not absent or indifferent in seasons of silence. He is always working. Now, I'm not saying he's not silent. There are times where God is quiet. That's when our faith gets tested the most, right? That's when we wrestle kind of the most in those seasons. We're like, man, God, what is he doing? I don't understand what he's up to. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Why is he so quiet? I thought he promised me some things, and I haven't, haven't seen him come through. And, and actually, I'm struggling. I'm actually going through harder things than, than I think I should be going through. But what you need to understand about God is that even in that silence, even those seasons that we have to go through in life, because we will all go through those seasons in life, that God is not absent and he is not indifferent. He is always working. He's up to something. For the Jews in this point of history, he was having to wait. God was putting plans into place. Because imagine from the promise 400 years earlier to now where the Jews were at this point, there were things and infrastructures that did not exist when Malachi spoke. Like, Rome wasn't a thing. Roads to all these cities was, were not a thing. Transportation was not as great of a thing. Like, all these infrastructures and systems and, and all this order and all these systems, all the things in the world that needed to be put into place for just the right time. And when we think about our life, we're going to learn some things this morning. Maybe God's putting some things into place that you have to wait for, that I have to wait for, because God does things a little bit differently than what we think they should be. And we need to learn some things in that tension, in that tension of waiting in silence for God. Just knowing he's not absent, he's not indifferent, he's up to something. He's working. 
And so now we get to this point in Luke chapter 1 when the something is going to happen. Ooh, boy. Right? Um, and I, I don't know your story. Maybe some of you, like, like for you, you're coming, can, I, can I come back to God? Or maybe you're like, you're here, and it's like Christmas time. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to come to church. Um, and for you, like the Christmas story, you, you'll lose the, the, um, the realness in it. It kind of just becomes almost like a Christmas movie, kind of a, a thing. Oh, there's Mary, and there's, you know, it becomes this kind of nativity scene on your, on your countertop. And like, I, I hope over the next three, three um, uh, gatherings, today, next week, and Christmas Eve, that I can help you see it in the reality of what it was, okay? That, that's my goal, and, um, and so that's where we're going to try to get to. And today, we're actually not talking about Jesus a whole lot today, because in chapter one, we're actually spending a little bit more time talking about two characters by the name of Zach and Liz, okay? That's just what I call them, Zachariah and Elizabeth, okay? And so that's where we're at in, in chapter one, and, um, and so we're going to learn a little bit about Zachariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, um, that's why I call her Liz, because um, I can't pronounce it um, while I'm preaching. And so, so that's, let's, let's hop into it, okay? So let's hop into um, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. So if you have your Bibles again, hop up into that passage, and let's, uh, let's, let's jump into what's happening in this moment in history as the nation has been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting in silence, wondering what God is going to do, okay? All right, if you're with me, say, yep. All right, I'm going to take a drink before I start reading. All right, <clears throat> so verse 5 jumps us right into a point in history. So you know, this is a history lesson, okay? This isn't fiction. Like, this happened. This is how it happened. The, Luke, when he wrote, you can read the first few verses, he took eyewitness accounts of all of these all of the stories that we read through the book of Luke, right? And he's a doctor, so meaning like he's a detailed guy. He's, he's thinking scientifically about, okay, I want to make sure I have this in order. And so he talked to apostles. He, he most likely talked to Mary, right, to get her, her story. Like, what happened? Tell me what happened. And so we see all these intricate details, which is so awesome that we have these. So this is history that we're reading, okay? Because it's in the time of, of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, Abijah, whatever his name is, right? His wife, Elizabeth, was also descendant of Aaron. Now, let me explain why that matters, okay? There was this group of Jews. The Jews were split up into these tribes. There are 12 tribes. I'm going to have a hard time this morning. Would you pray for me? Um, 12 tribes of Israel, right? And so out of that, there was one group called the Levites. The Levites were called to do the priestly duty in the temple. So this whole section of the Jews, that was their job. So here's two descendants of Aaron, those that were called to do the ministry in the temple. So both of them, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, came from that line. So they're like a line of kind of holiness, like set-apartness amongst all the other Jews to minister in the temple. And so here's Zechariah, a priest, who is going to be doing what he is supposed to do in that line um, as one of the priests. Both of them were righteous. Listen to the character. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth um, was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So now we see a tension we see Zachary and Elizabeth, they aren't just waiting on Messiah. Now, they're personally, you hear their story. Um, you see, in this, in this point of history, for, the, for a Jewish couple to not have a child was, was shame. They were shamed. They were looked down upon. They're almost as if they were a little cursed by God, like, why wouldn't God give you a child? 
And so they are like walking in that shame and that, that feeling of like we're lesser than because we don't have kids. And so they've been praying and waiting and praying and waiting, and now they're very old. And God hadn't done anything up until then to bless them, even though, listen to who they are. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands. They've done everything right, and still something was wrong. Have you ever felt like that? God, I'm trying to do everything right, but something feels wrong, or something is wrong. Why? That's that waiting. That's that tension. Do you feel it? And so that's where they're at. They've been waiting. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This was a huge honor. So imagine there's, scholars say there's probably around 20,000 priests. You don't need 20,000 priests every day to do this thing in the temple. And so they broke them up into like sections and those sections would show up and then, and then they would be handed out the duties and they do it by casting lots. What does that mean? It's kind of like drawing straws it's like, here's all the straws, pull the one, and whatever you get is that's what you're going to do today in the priestly duty. And there were two, like two big ones, and in in this one, burning incense was a big deal. Like the burning of the incense was the moment the priest had the opportunity to go as close as he could to this inner tent, which was, was the inner curtain of the Holy of Holies. It's like the most—it's um, uh, where God's presence was. Like you weren't allowed to go in there because of God's holiness and presence. That's where they, they believed at that point where it was. And so when they came to that curtain, it was like, we're close, the closest of any of these priests in this moment to God's actual presence. And so they would be in the outside, right outside of it, to burn the incense. Why, why are they burning incense? It's, is it because they all smelled? Or like, what was this deal? Like, were they like hippies? Like, what was going on, right? Like, what was the deal? No, it was a part of their prayer ritual that God put it into place in the Old Testament. He said, no, you're going to go burn incense. And, and, and the incense represents the prayers of the nation as the incense would rise up, the prayers rising up to heaven. And so his job was to represent the prayers of all the people who were outside the temple and the whole nation to God, lighting this incense and saying, God, hear our prayers. Talk about a heavy duty kind of situation that he's in. And what an honor to do that. Have you ever, like, been honored to do something? Like, been asked to do something? Like, we're just been like, wow, you're really honored to do that. I remember one year during Christmas, um, I, th- I was probably like 13, and um, I-, I was given the honor to sing special music at the Christmas service at church. Oh, that was a big deal. You remember special music? Anybody grew up, like, at church where it was, like, special music Sunday, and then, like, you know, little Billy would play the piano and, like, do a little flute solo, whatever. Like, so like for me, I got to sing, and I, I was like, I'm going to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm going to do a cappella, no instruments, because I'm like, I'm a really, I'm pretty good singer. I think I can do this. And I get up, and I get up to the mic, and it's ready to go, and I look out, and I go, uh, and I, so I get really nervous, and I start singing. And I, I, I'm thinking I'm doing okay, but when I got down, whenever your mom says, ooh, that was bad, <laughs> when mama says it, I blew it. I mean, I just, I, but I felt like I did good. That's the worst. When you feel like you did, I mean, that was like American Idol audition, you know, kind of like a, oh, come, oh, come. You know, I'm 13. I don't know what was going on. Here's Zachariah, okay? And he's about to experience something, and he blows it. He blows it. You're going you're gonna to see what happens, okay, with Zachariah. 
in this moment. So here he is. He's going to go do it. So, and when the time came for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Again, do you see the weight of this? He's representing all those outside praying. And he's going in to do this service as the priest. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. What? Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Yes, yes you are, right? Like, if you ever see an angel, you will know it. Because that's the, every time. They're scared, like, what? Because anybody just showing up would scare you, right? I mean, some of you just get scared when you turn around and somebody's there, right? Like, imagine an angel of the Lord is right there. So he peed a little. He's scared, right? <laughs> but, and they always say this, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. That's always the first words an angel says, all right? Don't be afraid, right? Zachariah, so he calls him by name. Imagine the scene. Your prayer has been heard. Whoa. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. <laughs> what? Imagine hearing these words. He, he's like, we've been, how long have they been praying for this? Their whole life, together, as a couple, they've been praying for this. He will be a joy and delight to you. Who would want an angel to say that to you about your kids, right? Like, like some of you are like, they didn't say that to me. Um, because, <laughs> we, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. To hear this. Like, this has never happened. Like, the Holy Spirit being like a, an, a baby, like in the womb, full of the Holy Spirit, I'm just, okay, I'm gonna, this is a side note, but I have to say this. Um, this is why I'm pro-life, because I believe life happens when God creates it. If the Holy Spirit can fill something in the womb, it's not just a part of a body. It's not a body. It's like, that's a child. That's a being. And so here is John in the womb, right, full of the Holy Spirit. This is what God did. Wow. Okay. And filled before he's even born, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. This is what they've been waiting for, right? And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Imagine hearing that about your child. Elijah, like that's their prophet. Like the, the, that's like the LeBron, LeBron James of prophets, right? It's like this is, everybody knows Elijah. Elijah did all the amazing things in the Old Testament. It's like in the spirit of Elijah to do it, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and, and disobedient uh, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so here, here we are in this scene. Zachariah's like hearing this. Like imagine the emotions. Imagine trying to like be excited but still scared i mean he said don't be afraid but this is a little fear like this is a little crazy of what's happening and then he hears these words see the last words that the angels just spoke to zachariah is from malachi chapter four the last time they heard from the lord he's saying i know as a nation you've been waiting 400 years for this moment right here for john to one to come in the power of elijah to show up to do this thing to prepare the way for the Lord. And that's, we, we know as we get into the, you know, next chapters and we started Luke this way, talking about John the Baptist, the one that prepared the way for the Lord. He's the one that, he was the last of the old covenant prophets. 
before the new covenant began with Jesus, right? He was preparing the way for a Messiah. And so now here, he's hearing these words, and I don't know if it's connecting the dots in his mind, but I'm sure Zechariah knew all these passages. And it's probably clicking in his head. You mean it's about to begin? It's about to begin. In this moment, this is what I want you to, to, to hear and have encouragement about. Even in those moments where you don't hear God or you're like just wondering, is he there? Is he listening? Like this moment gives me so much hope because even for Zachariah in seasons of silence, God still hears your prayers. If you're in a season where you feel like God is quiet, it doesn't mean stop praying. Right? It, you may need to continue to pray. It's actually better to pray. Sometimes you have to pray through till there's a breakthrough, right? Because God might be lining things up that needed to be lined up for that thing to come through in your life. I know that's what Zachariah in this moment was experiencing, and he got to hear from the angels, your prayers have been heard, right? I need you to know God hears our prayers. We don't have to do what they did in the Old Testament with the Old Covenant with like a priest going into the, into the temple and doing incense and then lifting it up and sacrificing every single day for the, the sins to be put on an animal, for that animal then to die to pay the price of the sins of a nation. Like all of that is done where we live today because Jesus was the final lamb. He was the final sacrifice at the temple the perfect lamb who took away the sins of the world. That is who Jesus is. And we live on the other side of that. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad we're there. And our prayers don't have to go through the temple anymore. They go through our temple, Jesus. He is our high priest. He is representing us. When we pray, Jesus is like, got it. It's in. Thank you. That's what he's doing. And so if you're in a season where you're just waiting on God, don't stop praying to God. Sometimes you have to pray through till there's a breakthrough. And you have to wait on the Lord to see what he's going to do. Actually, I love this Psalm 27, verse 14. It says this. It says, wait for the Lord. Be strong let your, uh, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Sometimes we need to be strong. I'm encouraging you. If that's you, you're in that season, be strong. Continue to pray and wait on the Lord. Continue to pray and just wait on the Lord. He may be doing things that you can't see yet to fulfill that thing he wants to do in your life. Wait on the Lord. I just take so much encouragement in that, in that sentence, right? Your prayers have been heard. Let's just walk in that promise, okay? All right, let's, let's keep going. So you think at this point, Zachariah's gonna nail the response, right? It's gonna be like, an angel just spoke to me. He told me this awesome promise. I'm just gonna say, awesome, and turn around and say, I'll see you later, right? Nope. <clears throat> verse 18, everybody with me? Yep. All right, verse 18. So Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? <laughs> I am an old man, and my wife is along in years. He's being kind to Elizabeth. He's like, I'm old. She's just along in years, right? Like, she's not, he's not, and she's old, right? He didn't say that. Like, he's, he's like, really? I like, you don't understand, like, anyways. So, so he, he questions the angel, he, he, and he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm old, and my wife, she's a long years. How in the world would this even work? We're both old. How can we have a baby? Because I'm, we've tried our whole marriage, and I don't see anything happening, right? And then I love the response. The angel said to him, I 
am Gabriel. <laughs> he says, I stand in the presence of God. He's like, do you remember when I just showed up? And poof, I was there. And you were really scared. I said, don't worry. I'm an angel. I have a message from the Lord. He's heard your prayer. Do you remember that just now? And you're questioning me? I think you should just say, yes, sir, and turn around and leave the temple. Like, I think that should have been a response. This is where it's interesting. Last, last week, if you weren't here last week, I talked about heaven. And I got more comments on that message than I've heard in like a long time in sermons because we all have questions about that. And, um, and one person asked about angels because I went a little bit into angels and they were like, so do angels have free will? And I would say, yes, angels have free will because of what we're going to see happen in this next sentence. Because Gabriel's like, excuse me? I'm Gabriel. I was literally just next to God. You know that you're praying to him, that guy? I was next to him, and I came to you. <laughs> and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. That's why I came, and now you will be silent. <laughs> And not be able to speak until this happens because you did not believe in my words, which will come true at their, say this with me, at their appointed time. This is why I believe angels have free will. Because he's like, excuse me, you just disrespected me. Zip, zip, you're done. I don't know if God gave him those instructions. I know that Gabriel did that. He's like, you just questioned me. Um, I'm using my free will now as an angel to tell you you're no longer talking. And, and maybe Zachariah will be, or Elizabeth will be okay with that. Maybe, I don't know, like uh, what your conversations at home are like, but you're just going to not talk until all this happens. And it's going to happen, just so you know, in its appointed time, meaning God had a time. And God wasn't slow in his time. God was patient in his time, waiting for the appointed time. There's, there, God has appointments. He has things set up that he wants to happen. And in this point in history, the, the greatest thing ever to happen was an appointed time in history. And so Zechariah, no longer talking, right? And now he has to wait till the appointed time till he can use his mouth again, till he can use his words. This is what we're called to do in these seasons of silence. We have to wait on the Lord. You need to grow in faith and belief in God's word and trust his timing in your life. In seasons of silence, in seasons of waiting, it's not a time just to run away. It's not a time to be like, God, I just, I'm done. I haven't heard from you. I, I feel like I deserve better. You know, sometimes we get these attitudes with God and God loves us so much. He shows us so much grace, doesn't he? He's like, well, I'm working on something. And in the in the in-between time, like in the gap between what we think God's gonna do and when it actually happens, in that gap actually shows who we are in our relationship with God, right? It's the proving ground for us. And it's our time in that season, in that gap, that we should be growing in our faith. I mean, faith is waiting, right? Faith is is trusting that God will that his promises will come to pass, that he has a purpose and that purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. That's, that's faith and we have to grow in our faith. Okay, God, we're trusting you got this. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what, I'd, but I am choosing to put my faith in you, faith and belief in God's word, meaning he's also given us all the words. <laughs> 
He's given us all the promises in his word. And we live in the point of history where we have more access to his word than any other point in the creation of this world, right? And he said, I've given you what you need to hear my voice because I've already spoken. And, and, And so grow in your faith and belief in my word and then trust his timing in your life. Trust his timing. Can I talk to the young adults in the room? Those of you like maybe mid-30s and under. When you hear words like this, like you're going to have to wait, it's hard. I remember my 20s. I was an impatient fella, I tell you. Like I was so impatient. I wanted to grow up so quick. And now I'm older, I wish I would have slowed the heck down. Because when you're young, you have your whole life ahead of you, right? Like you're in that season where it's like things are new and they're exciting and you're like, maybe like you're in a relationship and you're starting that relationship. It's like, oh, this is, oh, it's so exciting. It's so fun. And, and, and yet it's hard, but it's good. And because you love each other and you're working towards something together. And you're like, oh man, maybe this is the one. And by the way, I don't, I don't believe there's the one. I think you become the one. I think that's actually the better goal You become who God called you to be and let somebody else become who God called them to be and you get to do it together. You with me? If you're trying to let them be the one, you've already put way more pressure on them than they ever deserved because they're going to let you down. Okay? So you work on you becoming the one. You grow in faith. You grow in belief. You grow in God's word. You grow in prayer and find somebody who's doing the same thing. Okay? And so, but you're looking forward to all these things and you can't wait and so you're probably going to jump the gun on some stuff. Right? Some things you're like, man, I thought this was going to be a good idea, and so we just did it. And then later on, you're like, oops. It's hard to wait when you're young. It's so hard to wait. I mean, we've got kids in our house that are like, uh, can I graduate today? Can I be done today? Like, can I get over this thing today? And I'm like, no. I'm like, dang it. It's hard when you're young because you have your whole life ahead of you. And I want to encourage you, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. There were seasons of my life where I, 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 I did not understand what God was doing. I can tell you, I, and those of you who have been around New Hope, you've heard us talk about a season that we lived in Georgia, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, um, four or five years. And when, when we were there, I had all these huge dreams, like things I felt like God like, told me he's going to do, and he still may do them. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I still have a lot of life to live, so he can do what he wants. But when I was like 22, 23, I thought you told me, so do it now, right? Like, you promised this, so make it happen. And I can't tell you how many, there's this spot uh, on Lake Alatoona, north of Atlanta, uh, north of Woodstock, Georgia, is where we lived in that season. And I, and so I went to Google uh, Maps, actually, to go find it again. Because now, Google Maps are crazy, right? You can go in, zoom in, boom, you can sit on the road and look at that spot. And I went to that spot where every single week, multiple times a week, I would sit there and I would cry out to God, what in the world are you doing? Because we were going through some of the hardest, deepest, most frustrating things in our life in that moment. I mean, just trying to keep our head above water financially, trying to keep a house and keep utilities on and having babies and like trying to do ministry and all that, like we were, it was hard. And I kept going there over and over and over again, just saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm glad that I took those prayers to God. And he so graciously waited on me in that season as I thought I was waiting on him. And he's like, time's not right, Tim. You're not even ready for the promise that I put in your life. You're not ready for it. Because when we're young, we think we can do this. 
And there's a part of that that's good, right? I'm not saying don't think you can't, you can do it. Like, there's things you can do. If God calls you to, man, just go for it. But if there's things that you don't know, wait on the Lord. Because his timing, he has appointed times for things in our lives. Things he set aside for you to do. The good works he prepared in advance for us to do. And sometimes we just have to wait on the Lord, and that's okay. And we have to live in that tension. And as I'm talking to the young adults, and some of you who are older, maybe those words were for you too. I don't know. Um, but all I know is in that season, grow in faith and belief in God's word and trust in his timing for your life. See, Zachariah and Elizabeth, what did they say about his char- their character? They were godly. Their character was upright. They did all the right things. And yet still they were waiting, right? <clears throat> Obedience isn't easy, but I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. Because it's where God's fruit will be birthed in your life. We know that we feel that tension of time because we go back to Ecclesiastes. We did this whole series on Ecclesiastes in 3.11. This is talking about God. He has made everything beautiful when? In its time. He's the one that does it. He has also said eternity in the human heart. Meaning we feel that tension of eternity and time in the things we want to accomplish, right? We feel that tension. He said, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, meaning God has a plan. And it's that sovereignty of God. He knows what he's up to that we have to walk under and trust in the seasons of blessing and the seasons of of hurting, right? The seasons of plenty, the seasons of, of little. Like we have to trust God in the middle of all those tensions, and let him do his work in us. That's where Zachariah and Elizabeth were. That's where the whole nation of Israel was, waiting on God. Some continued in the faith. Some walked away. And I still think that's true today. Because we all feel this tension of eternity in our hearts, waiting on God for his perfect timing. So let's, let's keep reading of what God does, okay? All right, y'all with me? Yeah. Here we go. So uh, verse 21, we're continuing so, you know, <laughs> Gabriel just gave him the speech. Listen, I'm Gabe. You're quiet, okay? Um, verse 24. Meanwhile, so while this is happening, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in so long, stayed in the temple so long. It's like, this normally doesn't take that long, Zechariah. Like, what is going on in there um, that's taking you so long? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Imagine, how do you tell everybody, I saw an angel without using words? This is like charades. He's like, like, like he's doing all this stuff, trying to be like, oh, you know, like, and he can't tell him. He's like, I can't tell you what it is. Like, poor guy, you know, I just saw an angel. He told me something. I can't say it. Blah. Like, so this is what they're like. Well, he saw something because he's different. Like, we don't know what he saw, but he had some kind of vision in this moment. Verse 23, when his time of service was completed, so he continued the work he was supposed to do, he returned home. Sometimes when you're waiting, just do the next thing, right? You don't know what the big thing is, but just do the next thing. Whatever that thing God called you to do, just do that thing that you know to do, and don't worry about the things you don't know to do yet. Just do the next thing. And so we see he's like, he did the next thing, and he, can, he finished the work. And then he returned home. After this, um, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. What? And for five months remained in seclusion. And we, I don't, we can read into it. Like, did she do that because she was like, I don't want people to know? 
because they're going to be like, he can't talk. She, is she getting fat? Like, I don't want to say anything, right? Like, like, because what are you going to do? Like, old lady pregnant? Like, that's not what you're going to say. You're going to say, you need to lay off on the bread, honey. You know, like, what are you going to, like, so she's, like, in seclusion for five months, like, like waiting um, in this season. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Do you hear the weight that just came off her shoulders? God just showed them so much favor. Do you know what the word favor means? It's God's grace. She's saying God has graced us so much and showed us so much favor that I, even I, in my old age, am pregnant with a promised child who's going to do what no other child will ever do, prepare the way for the Messiah. You can continue to read it like it happens. John is born. <laughs> and, um, and then finally, Zachariah can talk. And he's like, his name is John. You know, like he's like, finally I can talk. You know, he's like, call him John. You know, he no longer has to do charades. I'm sure that's a good day for him. And God's promise is fulfilled in preparation for what we're going to celebrate in the next couple of weeks. A Messiah is about to show up on the scene. I want you to see this. This is so cool. Again, God's appointed time, God's appointed purpose, even God's appointed names. Because when you see Zachariah and Elizabeth's name, Zachariah's name means God remembers. That is his name. And Elizabeth means oath of God. In the appointed time, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have honored God, lived in obedience along the line of Aaron to do the priestly duties in the temple— their name together is God remembers his oath. There is nothing that God has hidden in Scripture. He has shown himself and proven himself in his promises, even to the names of the two people that he brought this promise to. God remembers his oath. I want us this week, maybe you're in that season of waiting, to walk in this spirit of Zachariah and Elizabeth and proclaim, I know my God is a God who remembers his oath. He keeps his promises. He did it for them. He's done it for others. He can do it for me. He can do it for you. This is who God is. God kept his promise from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Now John the Baptist is going to show up, the final Old Covenant prophet, to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, to show up. No more waiting. No more waiting. God, thank you for this, this word. Thank you for the promises that we see in Scripture. Thank you for not withholding yourself from us, but showing us yourself. And this morning, thank you for the reminder as we get into this Christmas season, it's not just, this isn't like a cartoon thing. This isn't like a, a nativity scene thing. This isn't, like, this is history. And it's your history. It's, it's his story. It's Christ's story. All of the Old Testament pointing towards a Messiah and this point that we're reading about in, in, in history where the Messiah is finally showing up. We don't have to wait anymore. That's when our waiting stopped. The Messiah has come for us. This Jesus, the Savior of the world. 
Savior of me. I just want to take a moment of response. And just for a couple of things for us in the room. Uh, first, I want to talk to you, those who I've been talking to the whole time, honestly, that you are waiting on God. And you live in that tension. I'm hoping that this morning's word has given you some hope. That you'll leave here with hope. That, that the silence, it doesn't mean God is silent or absent. That he is here and he hears your prayers and he, he's with you and he's done everything. He has done everything to be with you. He's the one that sent Jesus to this world. He's the one that sent his son not just to live but to died to be the final sacrifice on the cross for sin now and forever so that you can be with him forever and you can have a real relationship with this God that loves you. He has done this thing for us. And so don't think he's absent. He is present in your life and I want you to take hope in that, especially during this Christmas season. If you feel lonely, I don't want you to feel lonely. You're not alone. God is with you, and we're with you. I mean, you've got a church family that you could be part of. We are the body of Christ. Like, it's used in Scripture because we belong together. We belong to support, encourage, bless, build up one another. And so if you're not attached to this body, I would encourage you to attach yourself to a body. If it's this one, fantastic. We'll help you find relationships with people that will encourage you, whether it's in small groups or, or wherever. We'll, we'll get you into those circles of encouragement here at New Hope. If it's not here and you're just kind of like visiting, find a place where you can do that because the body of Christ represents the kingdom of heaven in our life. We get to be Jesus in the flesh for one another as the body. So if you're not connected, get connected. Don't stay lonely. Okay? And then there's those of you in the room that, and every Sunday I do this, that you don't know Christ yet. For you, you're kind of like, I don't know about this thing. I need you to know it's real. It's history. It happened. This is who God is. And you can have a relationship with him today. You can be forgiven of all your sins today. If you just confess with your mouth and believe your heart that Jesus is the son of God and he did this for you. And so I want to pray. And if you want that relationship, let's just pray. Everybody, let's pray right now. And let's focus our hearts on what Christ has done for us. And if you want a relationship with him here, those of you joining online, wherever you're at or watching this later, wherever you are, you can say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I know I'm not right. I want to be right with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to walk in your presence. And so forgive me. I confess Jesus died on that cross for my sins and that he rose again and is alive today, and I want to be just as alive as him now and forever in your presence. And so I'm giving you my life. Here I am. Enter into my life. Give me your Holy Spirit, and let me walk with you. And I just confess this only in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room who are feeling a sense of loneliness or have felt a silence, would you say something to them? Would you speak to their heart? Maybe you've already done it this morning. You've already like just penetrated that silence and spoken to their heart. But I'm asking God, would you do that? Would you just show them so much love and presence that you would just let them know and that they they can know that they know that you just worked in their heart or worked in life or spoke to them and that they're not alone. And I think you've already proven that we're not alone. 
Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement. Help us walk in this Christmas season with such thanksgiving, such a thankful heart. And we just thank you in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. 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 Hey, thank you.